of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Once again, for a very exciting episode of Matt Spectro to the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan, and you've reached the podcast where we talk comic books, we talk animation. Thanks for joining us and welcome to episode 117. I'm going to briefly go over our rules, then we're going to jump right into the nitty gritty. Rule number one. Like I said, comic books, animation, that's what we're talking about. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team-up comic books, Marvel team-up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold, so this is a team-up podcast. Every week, I team up with a special guest, and we tackle the world of animation or comic books. Sometimes both. And rule number three, most important, we gotta have fun. Like I said, thanks for joining us for episode 117. We're gonna get right into it, bringing out my guest. First time guest of the multiverse, old friend of mine, hard to believe he hasn't been on the show until now. Everyone give a warm welcome to my pal, Mike. Woo! There was much rejoicing. (laughs) Thanks for joining the show. Can't believe it's been this long and you've never been on. It's my honor to be here, so thank you very much for inviting me. All right, so we decided today we're going to tackle probably your most favorite childhood love, we're going to be talking some Star Wars. I love Star Wars. When I saw the first movie in uh, 77, it changed my whole life. It's been way, way fun since then, but except for the Disney Star Wars. <laughs> so uh, we decided specifically, there's a couple of different animated, well, there's a lot of animated Star Wars, but we decided to go something from your childhood, something that not everyone might know about. We're going to talk the Ewoks cartoon. <laughs> and what a cartoon this is. You are in for a treat. Now, before we do that, we start every episode with some trivia. Are you ready for some Ewok trivia? I hope I don't blow it. Here we go. Well, my guest track records have been spotty on the trivia, so... Uh, I blame Dave. <laughs> and usually what happens, I get texts from someone who's either... Uh, who gets... No matter what the question, can't believe my guest doesn't know the answer. <laughs> All right, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, you remember in the 90s when George Lucas did the original trilogy special edition? Yeah, yeah. I uh, have pretty mixed feelings about some of those special editions. What in Return of the Jedi special edition did the Ewoks do that they never did in the original trilogy? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh... It's a minor thing, but something that they didn't do in the original trilogy that he quote-unquote fixed. Okay, in the special edition. Uh, I know that the theme song at the very end, they replaced the Yub Yub song with a different theme song. And I know they were dancing in the original version and the second version. But uh, were, they, were they eating on camera? Was that actually the thing? Were they caught on camera eating chicken or something? <laughs> what he updated in the special edition, which the Ewoks never did in the original... In the Return of the Jedi Special Edition, the Ewoks now blinked. Oh, for God's sake. That's a trick question. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, the, they probably did that with CGI, too. So yes. come on now. <laughs> they digitally made the Ewoks blink in the special edition. Okay. I guess you have to probably eat 20,000 Hot Pockets in your mom's basement to catch the Ewoks blinking. So good job on that one. Yes. Due to the costume design, they had those contact lens on the original. They couldn't blink. Okay. So Okay, you got me good on that one. People always think of the big ones, but there's a lot of stuff you don't notice the first time. Like, I didn't notice until a second viewing that they redubbed all of Boba Fett's dialogue with the actor who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. Okay, so is this like the third touch-up that they yeah, did I think this is Return the... <laughs> of the Jedi? Because George Lucas messed with it a bunch of times. They put uh, Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost in at the end, as opposed to, yeah, to Sebastian Shaw. Yep. The original actor who played Anakin. Yeah, not the original, Avery. not the first time he updated it, but the second time he updated it. <laughs> right. They redubbed all of Boba Fett's dialogue with the actor who played Jango Fett, who would go on to play Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett. Okay. I, I actually didn't know that, so you're hitting me up with some old school knowledge here. So, anyway, we're going to talk to Ewoks. Anyone doesn't know, the Ewoks were created by George Lucas. First appeared in Return of the Jedi in 1983. Now, nowadays, Star Wars and controversy go hand in hand. But back then, there was not much controversy about Star Wars. But the Ewoks, believe it or not, were very controversial because a lot of people were not a fan, felt they didn't belong, and were only put in there to sell more Star Wars toys. Well, do you know the original script had that battle happening on the Wookiee planet? It was supposed to be Wookiees fighting the stormtroopers. That's what I'd heard. And, uh, in fact, George Lucas said that... uh, the reason that got changed, and this is, this could have changed, his reasoning could have changed. The most common thing I found was that he said that he wanted it to be a primitive tribe. And at that point, the Wookiees had been portrayed as too technologically advanced. So Wookiees became Ewoks. Well, that, and it probably wouldn't have gotten a PG rating if Wookiees were ripping the arms out of stormtroopers and flailing them about like candy. Wookiees tend to rip your arms out of your sockets when you lose, you know, I don't know. Yeah, they get a little a little upset. Now, I personally love the Ewoks and love Return of the Jedi, so... And I always thought that to sell more toys is kind of a lame complaint. I mean, the whole franchise was built on selling toys. Like, it literally changed the toy industry and how toys were presented. So, I, I don't know if I can really... If that, that holds any water. So, I think I, I think I was 12 years old when I saw... Return of the Jedi. And I didn't, I was still young enough where it still appealed to me. The Ewoks didn't, they didn't bother me. I thought the scene where Princess Leia meeting Wicket was cute. And, and then when the Ewoks started kicking tail at the end of the movie, I'm like, I'm rooting for them, you know? When they took out that ATST, I was all about it, you know? Some people still to this day have a problem with uh, the Ewoks. Well, that's because they ran out of hot pockets in their mom's basement and their mom didn't buy them more food. So a little history on them. Uh, obviously, like I said, they first appeared in Return of the Jedi. This information, uh, internet sometimes isn't always correct, so this is the information I could find. It says that uh, the name came from it rhymes with uh, Miwok, which was a tribe that was indigenous to the Redwood Forest where Andor was filmed, and that's where that came up with. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, it could be true. Yeah. It could be true. I don't trust things on wikipedia but it could be true <laughs> i do casual notes so i wasn't going to go into a full thing if if i don't i'm not an expert on indigenous people so i don't i assume that is a tribe i uh i have to go it with could it. be i'm not sure now uh in the uh sound designer uh 
Ron Burnt, I believe was his name. Uh, he uh, invented the language. To be honest, I couldn't remember anything but yub yub, but uh, which was based on a language of a tribe in Russia, the the Kalamik, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's that's interesting. I didn't know that either, but I believe like every single alien species in the Star Wars universe has had a form of language created by their sound designers. And honestly, I think that was really done pretty well for the late 70s and early 80s. I always thought that it sounded like, you know, a, literally a foreign species language, you know. I always thought it was very interesting, so it could be. Speaking of controversies, there's two other controversies that get brought up. Well, I don't know if controversy is the right. We're using controversy in the loose terms, but uh, if you think about it, the Ewoks actually eat people, apparently, because they were going to cook. Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, Han Solo was going to get a little bit of barbecue sauce slathered on his forehead and eaten, so they're little cannibal creatures. <laughs> well, maybe not cannibals in the strict sense, but they're carnivores. The other, uh, well, again, controversy is a, is a bit of, of a stretch, but... Uh... Was it about Princess Leia's slave bikini? <laughs> I, was, I was fine with that. Well, no, that had really nothing to do with the Ewoks, but uh, I guess... <laughs> To your point. Um, Can we talk just very briefly about how Boba Fett died so easy in that movie? <laughs> For such a tough bounty hunter, he sure went out like a chump. You know, takes one shot to the back, whips across the air, slams into the Jabba the Hutt vehicle, and then goes right down the Sarlacc hole. Now, uh, now I remember the controversy, and you, brought, you touched upon it earlier. Originally, Return of the Jedi ends with the... Dun, 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 yum, yum, dun. Oh yeah, that's then song. they changed it in the special edition to that to that awful <laughs> new age piece. So, all right. Well, my question was going to be, where did you stand on which version's better? Obviously, you just made that very clear. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I had no problem with the Yub Yub song. I, I thought it was a jubilant song to end. They just whooped the second Death Star again. Most of them made it back alive. So, hey, no, I had no problem with it. For anyone who doesn't know, you're living under a rock. You know, the Star Wars trilogy was a worldwide phenomenon at the time. Came to an end with Return of the Jedi. But uh, Lucas still, you know, uh, there was still demand for it. So a year later came the television movie, The Ewok Adventure. Yep. Was it first one called Caravan of Courage? Uh, yes. It's been kind of morphed into The Ewok Adventure, but it was, yeah, yeah Caravan of Courage. Which I was surprised when I look into this. That came out in 1984. It yeah. felt to me at the time that it was so much longer after Return of the Jedi, but it really was only like a year yeah, later. Yeah, it was about one year later. And I remember that movie was pretty much a softball. It was The storyline <laughs> wasn't great, but I'm again, I was 13. I was just happy to see a Star Wars thing on TV. You yeah, know? It, was, it was definitely aimed at a more a younger demographic of the, the kids that crash on Endor and their parents are captured by this thing on Endor, and then they have yeah. to go with the Ewoks and, and save them, basically. And it's still better than the Hobbit movie uh, on all fronts. A random comparison, but okay, sure, we'll go with it. I did that one for Dave. <laughs> and then a year later, they did the Battle for Endor. Which was a better movie. It was a little bit more action-packed. I At one point, I remember seeing it. I captured it on VHS, watched it a couple times, and that one stands the test of time a little bit better. So again, Star Wars still in the zeitgeist. George Lucas was interested in doing more movies. I don't know if he himself wanted to do animation to keep a toy line going, or they just said, hey, we want to keep doing it, and he's just collecting a paycheck. I don't know. But a year later, we got both the Ewoks cartoon and the Droids cartoon, 
which it, when it first came out, I believe it was called the uh, Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour. I think you're right. Um, I was just starting to get a little too old for cartoons at that point. I was probably like 15 or something like that. And I maybe caught a couple of the episodes, but I remembered the Droids cartoon a little bit better than the Ewoks cartoon. Well, the one thing the Droids had over it was Anthony Daniels actually does provide his voice for the, uh, the Droids cartoon, where if you remember, we'll have to do an episode on it sometimes, he really turns the volume up on C-3PO in the cartoon, like even more so than he ever did in the movies. You mean making C-3PO more snarky? It's <laughs> just very, a lot more scream, very high strung, even more so. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you don't give a British voice actor his tea. He gets very upset. So we go to the Ewoks cartoon, which uh, debuted in 1985 on ABC. It was called the All-New Ewoks as well as the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour. Only ran two seasons. It was Lucasfilm and Novella Animation. And uh, it was developed by uh, Bob Carew and legendary uh, animation writer Paul Dini. That name does ring a bell for me. Was was he ever involved with, um, I want to say, Kevin Smith for like the Clerks cartoon or something like uh, that? I don't know. He does, well, he does actually appear as a cameo in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But uh, Yeah, I he, think that uh, name rings a bell. Well, he's prominent on Batman the Animated Series. He's the creator of Harley Quinn. Um, he's written for the Brave and the Bold cartoon, uh, Justice League. He wrote worked on this. He worked on... Uh, um, some of the animated films he worked on. Uh, I believe he wrote an episode of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I mean, we've listed his greatest hits, but we're gonna we're gonna look him up and see what else. I like to see random things as well. Yeah, I think if if my memory serves me right, I believe in the in the old Jay and Silent Bob comic books. I think I saw his name written as one of the one of the creative consultants or so forth. I could be completely wrong. If anyone out there in internet land wants to uh, correct me on that one, please go ahead and, uh, you know, I, I may be wrong on that one, but if I'm wrong, hey, I'm, I stand to learn here, you know? Well, he has, uh, his career goes back a lot earlier than I realized. Uh, the first thing he ever worked on was uh, 1979 he, on the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll. Wow, that, that's... But he's written for, wow. for over the years for Fat Albert. Uh, the Gary Coleman show, uh, like I said, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, He-Man he worked on. Loved He-Man. G.I. Joe, he worked on both Ewoks and Droids. Uh, like I said, he uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond. He created Harley Quinn. Uh, he worked on the Clone Wars. Uh, he even wrote an episode of the uh, the Creep Show television show as well. Ah, oh, I still haven't seen the Creep Show television show. I've heard it's wonderful. I need to get on that. So uh, yeah, he developed it like for ABC. Uh, looking into continuity, uh, originally I was gonna we were gonna review the very first episode, but looking over it, I found an episode that actually relates to the Empire. So we thought it'd be cooler to do that. So we're gonna do the episode. Battle for the Sun Star, originally aired December 6, 1986. And to be fair, I probably, you know, at the time had only seen one or two episodes of Ewoks. Uh, this one was better than I remembered the show being. I actually was, I, I found it, you know, if I was like an eight-year-old kid, I would have loved that show. It's definitely made for kids. 
And just as like a cute adventure show, that would totally fit in with any standard, you know, kid getting up on Saturday morning, eating his Lucky Charms and just wanting to watch cartoons and have a blast. It's pure good natured entertainment. On the air of continuity, the show, uh, they say, takes place before A New Hope. Um, it's actually the first time in any media where they're referred to as Ewoks, because if you remember Return of the Jedi, they're never actually called Ewoks in the movie. That's right. That's right. They actually didn't mention that word. This also spawned a whole bunch of other stuff because they did a comic book. Marvel had a star, an imprint called Star Comics that was all comic books aimed at young children. I mean, you can laugh and say all comic books are aimed at children, but this was definitely... truly, by the 80s, some really adult comic books were coming out. So Star Comics produced the Heathcliff comic, Top Dog. They did the Thundercats comic book, as well as... Love Thundercats. And they did a Ewoks comic book, as well as a new line. These weren't a continuation, per se, of the Star Wars action line. These were the specifically droids and Ewoks figures. I think there were two waves of? There was two waves of them, and I will not digress a lot on your show, but those figures command a pretty pricey sum if you can land one that's on a card right now. Yeah, it is weird that I I think it was Series 2, and uh, I'm sure a certain person we know is listening will get mad at us for not getting details right, but I think Series 2 with the little coin that came in on the card is very valuable right now. And there was, they did issue a, version of Boba Fett, I believe, on a droids Yeah, on the droids card. Cartoon. And that commands, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but this one <laughs> goes for probably about $1,000, right? Probably. Um, so I guess that does lend some credence to the argument that this was done specifically for the point of selling toys. I have no problem with that. Well, I mean, As a kid, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get my hand on that stuff because I'd kind of aged out yeah. of the demographic for buying figures at that point. If I'd known then what I know now, I would have grabbed one of each of them and kept them in pristine condition. Well, I mean, let's, I mean, can we really criticize them? The entire 80s toy market was all about cartoons almost only existed in the 80s to sell toys. And- right? Like He-Man, those, those toys were cool. G.I. Joe had a line of brilliant toys. It was all good stuff. And again, uh, fact check me, but I believe they, they released a few VHSs of some of the droids in the Ewok cartoon, but not. The entire series on VHS. That's a good question. I'm, I'd, I'd have to do a little research on that one because I'm sure, just for the sheer collectability, it would be silly unless there's some problem with getting the rights to those cartoons that they should have put that on VHS or DVD. So, like I said, we're watching the episode Battle for the Sun Star, aired December 6, 1986, written by Paul Dini, directed by Dale Schott. Paul Dini, I found an interview where he said, uh, Kind of the idea behind this one is they knew the series was going to come to an end, that they weren't going to get renewed. So they wanted, they were like, well, hell, let's let's find a way to fit the Empire into this since, you know, we're not going to be able to do much more of these. Because if you remember the cartoon, or if you don't, it all took place on Endor and the rest of the Star Wars lore never came into play. So they were like, all right, we're going to fit the Empire. We're going to do this one episode. To be fair, I, I got a kick out of seeing a Star Destroyer rendered in cartoon animation. To be fair, it looked pretty good. And the Stormtroopers had that same sort of quality that that little animated segment on uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special had where Boba Fett first appeared. It was just such a novelty to see Star Wars rendered in animated form, you know? I got a kick out of it. Now, I saw a quote from Paul Dini where he said, and George went for it, so... 
I don't know if that means everything they did had to meet George Lucas's approval. I would think he'd be too busy to care about every little thing on a cartoon, but who uh, who knows? I believe wasn't uh, George knee deep in the Indiana Jones movies at that point? Well, in nineteen eighty five, Temple of Doom had already come Temple out. Of Doom. What, but when was the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles? Well, I don't remember that. Uh, I skipped that show. I, I couldn't be bothered. Sorry, no Harrison Ford, no Indy for me. <laughs> All right, so since I have to ask the question, uh, before we get into we're going to get into the voice credit, but since we're on the subject of Star Wars, I don't want to get a whole thing about it, but what is your favorite Star Wars film? I, I go back and forth for the sheer nostalgia, the very first one, A New Hope, is probably my absolute favorite. I've probably watched that as many times as The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is probably the superior film, but I was six when I saw A New Hope. Yeah. And that just blew my mind. Like, I was like, holy, I saw it in a drive in theater, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. I wanted to live in that world, you know? And not to nitpick. The movie is called Star Wars. It's not called A New Hope. I hate when people try and correct you and say, uh, oh, it's A New Hope, you know. No, it's Star Wars. Yeah, when, it was when, always when, Star Wars. When did they actually add that New Hope tagline in there? I don't know, because it's not in the... Uh, is it in the... Uh, was it, I, It's been so long. It may have been in the scrolling yeah. credits in the, the very first movie. I believe it may be called that. But maybe for the VHS release of the movie and like... I don't know, 91 or something like that. Maybe they put that there. So, not to sidetrack, but all right, we're going to go over some of the voice credit. Main character, Wicket Warwick, which this is where they actually added the Warwick because the famous Warwick Davis had played Wicket in the original cartoon. That's a cute little tip of the hat. I think that's cool. Also, if you haven't seen it, all the Ewoks speak English in this, uh, which I guess you could excuse that they're just translating for the audience. Yeah, eight-year-olds don't like to read subtitles. Now, Jim Henshaw was the voice of Warwick Wicket at the beginning, but the actual episode, we're watching a uh, Dairy Deck does his voice. Now, uh, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I think that's Denny. I can't even read my own goddamn handwriting. You sure it wasn't Paul Rubens? <laughs> that would have been amazing if it was Paul Rubens. Just think of the collectability of that episode. Denny Delk is his name. I apologize. Now, Jim Henshaw, who did him originally, he was also Tender Heart Bear on the Care Bears cartoon. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that cartoon. Now, uh, Denny Delk, he was Murray on Monkey Island, whatever the hell that is. You're going deep here on the obscurity, buddy. But on Empire Strike Back, he played Droid 2-1B. Oh, the medical droid. Oh, my God. You know that? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars <laughs> dork. I used to have that action figure. I was thinking to myself, I said, man, I, I don't remember who that was. But I, I'm going to bring it up, and I'm going to see if Mike actually knows. That's the one that uh, put Luke in the Bacta tank after well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Wampa kicked his butt. Well, when you say the medical droid, I know I know there was only one medical droid. But I Don't guess... forget FX7, the other medical droid. Mike, uh, all right, well, Mike proved himself the real Star Wars fan. <laughs> Nisa, who's one of the female uh, wickets, a uh, Cree Summer does her voice. Now, she's done some live action, but she's also a legendary... Uh, female voice actor, been doing voice acting for a long time. Now, you might know her from, she played Winifred Brooks on the sitcom A Different World. 
Jeez, I think my sister used to watch that um that sitcom. That is, I hadn't thought about that, Matt, in probably thirty years. <laughs> but I mean, she was Susie Carmichael on the Rugrats. She was Foxy Love on the uh, show Dream Together. Uh, Dream Together, Drawn Together. She played the character Foxy Love. I remember Drawn Together. That show was really fun. Um, she was the character Rose on an episode of uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, that that's a little out of my wheelhouse. I've never watched Rick and Morty, believe it or not. But she's done everything from the Hulk cartoon to she appeared on Camp Candy, uh, on the short-lived Kid and Play cartoon. She was even voice acting. Talk about collectability. <laughs> Now, if you have a Kid and Play album, I'm sure those are worth about three pennies on Amazon right now. <laughs> and uh, the only other voice credit I could really find in- interesting was uh, the Ewok Tebow. He's uh, not Tim Tebow. But just <laughs> I was about to go there. You beat me to the punch. Eric Peterson does his voice. He's done a lot of voice acting, but more known for a character actor. Voice acting on the Care Bears, he was Noble Heart Horse. So apparently the Care Bears had horses as well. Therefore detracting from the bears on that show <laughs> and uh his most known thing i could find there's a canadian tv show called street legend where he played leon robovich which i've never heard of but they said there was 129 <laughs> episodes of the show the only canadian tv show i remember was forever night because it had vampires in it and i thought that was cool <laughs> so if you're a street Legends fan, I, I do apologize. I don't mean to offend you. Okay. So, we're going to take our show break, and then Mike and myself are going to watch the all-new Ewoks Battle for the Sunstar. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Wicked the Warrior. This fall, their new adventures will excite you. So, you want to play rough, do you? Their spirit will surprise you, and their fun will delight you. Saturdays this fall on ABC. They're the all-new Ewoks. Together. That's more like it. Galactic News Flash. We're watching the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. They're celebrating because kids everywhere love their Ewok family hunt. We can help the trap Luke Skywalker. Hurry, Ewoks. Let's take the wagon, Princess Nisa. The Ewoks save the day. Yay! It's a galaxy of fun. The Ewok family hut and other Wicked the Ewok toys, each sold separately. New from Kenner Preschool. Introduce the youngest members of your family to the animated adventures of Star Wars with George Lucas's Star Wars Animated Classics. Two magical video adventures featuring everyone's favorite Star Wars characters, the furry and friendly Ewoks, and R2-D2 and C-3PO, the sidekicks known as droids. These two separate full-length family videos feature space-faring thrills. Oh dear, we're going to crash! And imaginative adventures. Wicked, look out! Legendary stories featuring the world's most popular characters for a whole new generation. Ah. Ewoks, the Haunted Village, and Droids, the Pirates and the Prince. Dear. Two brand new videos from the Star Wars Animated Classics series. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice.
we are back. And hopefully you just also watched Ewoks Battle for the Sunstar. Alright, I'm going to first say that that theme song is terrible. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But that's the second of two. If you think that's bad, go back and listen to the original theme song, which somehow is even worse. It sounds like a really bad remake of a new wave song that they took three seconds of and they just loop it over and over again. It's excruciating. Now, I'm going to preface this with, yes, I know this is a cartoon aimed for kids, but this is some pretty, very typical of its era animation and writing when you watch this. But it is a little bit more interesting because you do get to see this actually connect to the, the trilogy more than any other episode. To be fair, you know, I looked at it, you know, I'm... I'm a little bit older, you know, I enjoyed it for what it is. It's, it's campy Saturday morning fair. You know, if I was an eight year old kid, I would have loved that. If I was a star Wars fan at eight years old, I would have loved that. Now our opening scene is on a star destroyer where you get to see stormtroopers and you get that. We meet Dr. Rhaegar, uh, who has a mission approved by the emperor. They do mention, and this is actually pretty cool. It's a, it's a little cheaply looking, but it actually is rendered. The star destroyer is actually rendered pretty good in this. Yeah, and the the one other thing I'd like to mention, I think I mentioned it to you earlier, the bad guy, the villain there, Rhaegar, he kind of has a look that's not 100% removed from the original heavy metal animated movie from like 81 or so. I kind of got a little bit of a vibe. It just kind of had that vibe to it. But it was fun. I, I loved seeing Imperial Stormtroopers rendered as cartoons. It's always weird to me when, uh, whenever they do stuff that isn't part of the movies and whatnot, they tend to have people that work for the Empire that don't look like... Like in the movies, it's like, you either look like a stormtrooper, you look like the Imperial Guards, and that's it. But they always add like General Thawne and this guy who always don't look quite... They, they kind of stand out a lot. Yeah. I promise I won't digress a whole lot there. I do love the character of General Thrawne. He was great in the expanded universe. But that was also part of what made him so, frankly, don't pardon the pun, alien, was he was not part of a white, all-male ruling hierarchy in the Empire. He was a blue-skinned alien, and yet he was so tactically brilliant. In the books, he earned his place to be there, you know? Uh, Admiral Kaz is very skeptical about this uh, primitive race that has this sun star, but the Emperor did approve this mission, so he's going to go do that. I don't know if you noticed this, but that Admiral on the Imperial Star Destroyer had a very sickly yellow tinge <laughs> to his face. It looks like he hasn't seen the sun in about 10,000 years. So then we go to Endor, which uh, the Ewoks are uh, they're climbing to the... Let me, I, I wrote this down because uh, they're, they're bringing Jinjang berries to the Gooba birds. That was the most amusingly childlike part of the entire cartoon i'm just i'm sitting there laughing through the whole thing because it was it's so aimed for kids but it's so harmless that it was just like a nonsensical you know little non-sequitur in the cartoon that didn't really have much to do with anything but it was cute they're kind of annoyed they have to do this but nisa says that uh if they help others they will help them someday so that's really the only reason this exists is to set that up for later in the show this is true. That is a recurring theme through this episode. And if you're going to aim a message at eight-year-old little kids, you could do a lot worse than that. Now, the Goomba birds knock them all off a cliff. <laughs> Which goes to prove that no good deed goes unpunished. 
The goon birds are even laughing about it, if you notice. The, <laughs> They're very sadistic little birds. But they do survive. They land in a bush, of course, you know, and then they go to rescue a, uh, basically what's a deer that's trapped in this elaborate trap, but it's like a tactical trap. It's not like, a, you know, sticks and things like that. Yeah, it looks a little bit like a snow globe. So they can't get it out, and uh, Tebow uh, says it's going to take magic, not muscle. I'm not a big fan of this cartoon incorporated magic to the Ewoks. Like, uh, Yeah, I don't know what they were doing with that. <laughs> I know they had to expand upon it to make a weekly cartoon, but... Right. There could be worse things. I mean, imagine if they tried to crack it open with a rock, you know? Nisa gets sucked into the trap, too, I believe. Yes, that did happen. And um, cartoons and fantasy, especially in that time period, loved a bumbling magician who... You know, was an idiot who always f things up. Sometimes the magic would accidentally work to their favor, but they loved that concept back then. You know, like uh, Orko and oh god, Orko from the He Man show. The wizard from Crawl was a, a bumbling idiot who could barely do anything right, turned himself into a goose. They really loved that. That the wizard from Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. That's where I was about to go. There, I think I saw that once or twice, and <laughs> yeah. For someone who's supposed to be so wise, they sure love to make him look like Joe Biden. <laughs> and then Rhaegar shows up with Imperial droids that are like badass Imperial droids. Yeah, the, I like the the weird robotic voice that they had on those uh, droids. You know, they're pretty they're pretty tall. You know, for Imperial construction, and uh, kind of would have been neat if they'd made an action figure of that. And in a baffling moment, Rhaegar and the Ewoks can perfectly understand each other, speaking the same language. Which maybe they had something they nicked from the Star Trek universe and had a universal translator on their belt. Well, it's bizarre because C-3PO uh, can only kind of speak that language Return of the Jedi, and he's fluent in over six million forms of communication. Right. Good point. Good point. You just trounced any witty joke I would have had there. But he wants them to tell him the location of the village to get the Sun Star. Now, I really have to question how this guy even knows the Sun Star exists, let alone that the Ewoks have it. That's a good point. I don't imagine that in the Imperial Cantinas that that would have been a topic of general conversation. They're not going to tell him, but he does threaten them, and they kind of tell him where to go, but then he puts them all into jail <laughs> on his ship, because his uh, ship has a uh, prison. Right. Perfectly suited for two-foot teddy bears. So this is when uh, we get our first... Glance at their droid fan, PD-28. Who was kind of cute. Yeah. I got to admit, I, I got a kick out of that little droid. At first, the longest time, I thought he was saying PT-28, but it's PD-28. Oh, I've got too much damage from going to concerts. I, I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> you know, this great thing where, of course, the other droid is a bully to him. You know, I love when droid culture in Star Wars sometimes where droids treat other droids like shit. Well, we're going to talk briefly about how C-3PO kept abusing R2-D2 like it was Rihanna and Chris Brown, you know. <laughs> Pretty classic team up there. They're always giving each other a hard time. Uh, the best part in one that was when he kicks uh, R2 in the ass in, in Star Wars. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going into that thing. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> PD-28 does help them escape. They're going to work together. Um, he actually, they accidentally go to the the escape pod that's on the ship. Right, and they get away from an Imperial Star Destroyer remarkably easy. 
Well, there's a couple of weird things happen. Um, well, I love when uh, he goes, uh, oh, Korvac, which I guess is like, is that slang for, oh, damn? Or <laughs> That must be a curse in their language. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, because PD even asked him what it is, and uh, he says, you know, oh, Korvac. <laughs> you know, like when you step in some deer, Korvac. Uh, <laughs> now, it's kind of stupid because they accidentally start this escape pod and fly off, which they call it similar to a canoe. I had to laugh at that. <laughs> that struck me as being really funny that the Ewoks had no better form of expressing that idea is it's a flying canoe. Now, Ewoks are super primitive, yep. but in the span of two minutes, Wicket learns how to fly this fish. <laughs> that was pretty priceless. <laughs> Particularly ridiculous. Doesn't crash into a tree either. Nope. Almost hits those talking giant mushrooms, but he, he doesn't yeah. quite. <laughs> and then we switch to the Ewok village with Rhaegar is attacking, just destroying them. The chief tries to fight him off with the Sun Star. Does pretty well for a little bit. He takes out two of those big droids. For a primitive little tribe, they put up a pretty good fight until overwhelming technological uh, advances kind of turn the tide, you know? Yep, but uh, he drops it, Rhaegar gets it, gets on the ship, and escapes with it, and leaves Endor. Right after Wicked and the ship lands there, and they've already taken off, so they're going to have to go follow them to get it back. Now, I must say, the sound effects on the lasers were excellent. They sounded almost directly from the movie. They sounded like they were from the, the Return of the Jedi movie, yeah, the laser that was, guns. That was pretty impressive. So when, of course, they get the four and the droid get in, they're going to let more in, but, of course, Litara accidentally sits on the controls. The exact right <laughs> control again to, to launch that shuttle. And did you notice that that shuttle had an amazing amount of fuel to <laughs> go into hyperspace and chase a Star Destroyer? Um, which, of course, you know, it would have helped to have a whole bunch of other Ewoks to back them up. But no, it's just the original four buffoons with PD-28. They follow them on to the Star Destroyer, which I got to say, Star Destroyer animation, pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed all those segments that, that had to do with the Empire and uh, the Star Destroyers, the Stormtroopers. It was just really fun. And they got there. And, of course, the Admiral is still a jerk to uh, Rhaegar, thinking that, you know, he's on a fool's errand. and. He says, no, he's got the, the sun's, what is it again? I heard sun, star. sun star, thank you. And uh, the emperor is uh, personally on his way to check out the success of his mission. That might make me a little nervous if I heard the emperor himself was coming unannounced to my Star Destroyer. I know, I mean, because, you know, he's not as forgiving as Vader, you know, so. Uh, and we all know what a softy Vader is. He does say the entire galaxy will feel my power. I'm sorry. They've already developed a space station that could destroy an entire planet. What is this magic rock going to be that's so much better than that? Well, that's a fair point. This guy had some delusions of grandeur that he maybe needed to get out a little bit more. Plus, uh, when we find out in Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine could just shoot lightning into the air and take down like a hundred ships. So I don't really see what is so great about this sun star. What is this rise of Skywalker <laughs> movie that you refer to? I've never seen uh, this movie. So uh, <laughs> they, their plan is at first that PD 28 is going to talk to the Admiral to explain that he escaped the Ewoks and came back. You also found out by the way, he has an original master that the empire stole from him. He's not a typical 
Imperial droid, which the Admiral sticks in his face. Like, if you were a proper Imperial droid, this would never happen. I got to say, this little droid PD-28 had some stones on him, though. (laughs) He faced down an Imperial Admiral and lied to him, which is probably against his programming. So he's going to, he's like, all right, recycle this clown. We don't have any use for him. (laughs) He'd make a perfectly good iPod. And now the next scene, I'm going to preference again. I know this is a cartoon. But the Ewoks disguise, quote-unquote, disguise themselves as droids in some of the worst costumes that wouldn't fool a blind chimp. I was like, they look like they're wearing armor from, like, medieval times. Yeah, I had to admit, that scene made me laugh out loud. I tried to contain it, but it was so goofy that I found it charming. I don't know, that could just be me. (laughs) They split up, of course. And walk by stormtroopers who were completely fooled by these <laughs> terrible costumes. Because, well, I mean, they made it authentic, you know, because they said, be bop, be boo. <laughs> I think the stormtroopers are just there for their paycheck. What do you think? I, I think so. And of course, in typical villain fashion, when Rhaegar discovers this, he's like, why should I give this to the emperor? I could be the emperor with this. <laughs> There truly is, uh, how many stories, no, if there ever was an honor among thieves, a lot of these, uh, the good guys would never win. <laughs> it's true, it's true. He turned really quickly. Uh, what's that saying? Absolute power corrupts absolutely? <laughs> that would be the case. Now, thankfully, in a more intelligent bit of writing, when the Ewoks show up, Rhaegar is not fooled for a second that these are, uh, these are droids. He says... I don't have any time for Buckethead. Oh, because Ewok says he's Buckethead droid. <laughs> Which made me laugh again. It was just so stupid. And uh, he says, I have no time for droids, especially when they're Ewoks disguised as droids. So it was refreshing that the villain's not written like a total goddamn moron. And the upshot to that is then the action started kicking up a notch in that episode, too. You didn't know. You mentioned that uh, the messenger droid showed up. The little mouse droid, the one that Chewbacca yeah. roared at in Star Wars. But didn't it look the color like... The color was wrong. They yeah. painted him brown. <laughs> yes. And it looked, he had a little face on him. like Yeah, he had little googly eyes on him. Very strange. We switch over to... Uh, they're going to recycle uh, PD-28. He's like on a conveyor belt, and they're going to actually recycle him, which the Ewoks, the other Ewoks save him. It's kind of horrifying in a way, because they end up recycling the... The Imperial droid instead. Right. They took him out like a chump. And that seems pretty like for a droid would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> right. For for a child's cartoon, they took a sentient droid and reduced him to a box of metal in about two seconds. And you can hear him screaming inside the recycling process. So that was a little dark. PD-28 sacrificed himself that he takes the laser blast from Rhaegar to save his friends, which really makes him wicked angry. Yeah, and the thing about that, I guess the Rhaegar guy must not have charged his blaster gun on full that night because it only knocked him into a wall. It didn't even put a dent in his chest. So in an amazing, lucky coincidence, when he wicked charges him, knocks him into the giant laser cannon that fires, who at the Emperor's shuttle, who coincidentally is showing up at that point and actually gets the Emperor's shuttle. Yep, takes a wing off the Emperor's shuttle, and you know that that's going to piss him off. Imagine... If the Emperor had been murdered before A New Hope by a, an idiot Ewok accidentally bumping an Imperial guy into a laser cannon. 
Now, if that had been one of the Disney Star Wars movies, that would have been entirely plausible because continuity need not apply. <laughs> you actually get a, a shot from the bridge where it's like, admirable, someone from the ship just shot at the Emperor. <laughs> Quick, go find who did it. Now, you imagine how terrified these guys must have be. I mean, like, for not... Uh, <laughs> For coming out of hyperspace too quickly, Darth Vader literally kills a guy in Empire Strikes. <laughs> You're actually shooting and trying to murder the Emperor. Yeah, and to take a wing off the Imperial shuttle, you know that you're going to get force strangled. They do manage to escape, um, get into the escape pod, capture everyone, and get off the Star Destroyer. Again, very easily... <laughs> Very easily, not even a shot taken at them by the Star Destroyer. Nope, not one. And of course, they blame Rhaegar for the attempt on the Emperor's life. Mm-hmm. Arrest him. And the Admiral's not going to do anything. He's going to let the Emperor punish him yeah. personally. Yeah, kind of cheesy. And right when he says that, the Emperor's shuttle lands on the Star Destroyer and they drag him on. He's like, no, no, no. I was a little disappointed because I actually thought we were going to get the animated Emperor. I was really hoping <laughs> Vader and Emperor were going to walk down that landing uh, ramp and walk onto the bridge of the Star Destroyer. No, but instead they drag him on him kicking and screaming. So that was a little bit of a disappointment, I guess. Yeah. You know, and then they end up going back to the Endor village. They give a... They give the Sun Star back. Everyone's happy. PD is going to take the ship. They offer to let him stay, but he's going to leave and go find his real master. And that that was cute. I had no problem with that. I thought, you know, that was that was a nice little tip of the hat where the droid showed some sort of loyalty towards his original master. Wanted to go find him and be reunited. And in old school cartoon fashion, uh, he gets a double kiss in the cheek from the female he walks, and he's like. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> His head spins around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're eight years old. That's cute. You know what I mean? Latora, she she actually uh, co-ops Nisa, what Nisa said earlier, that like I always say, if you help yeah. others, they'll help you in return. I was kind of hoping she'd get a bitch slap for that one. <laughs> I said that. I said that. And Nisa's like, that's, I agree. And, you know, uh, and then everyone's happy and we end. Ewoks, Battle for the Sunstar. So there you have it. Uh, has this been the first time you've watched the Ewoks cartoon since it aired back yeah, in the day? Yeah, I probably hadn't seen it since 1985. I remember, I remember briefly, as I was getting into my later teenage years, I would come home from school every day from high school, and I'd watch Robotech, like the Macross yeah. saga. I was getting into more adult cartoons and the Japanese wave of animation was really enthralling me a lot. So, yeah, I'd left behind the droids cartoon and Ewoks and all that stuff. I, uh, about a year or so ago, uh, my daughter and I were just, I was watching a bunch of various cartoons with her, and one of the things we we threw on was Ewoks. So I had seen this fairly recently. Did she like it? Uh, Moderately. She's kind of swayed away to YouTube less than animation. My son tends to like animation more than she does. Well, it was definitely... It's definitely 80s. Definitely aimed at a very young audience. But who could blame them? You know, you tied into something very wise earlier that that was there to sell toys and to entertain kids. And I think it, I think it worked. It was cute. It's very dated now in the year 2024. It made me think of the Gummy Bears cartoon a lot when I watched it, if you remember that. Gummy old... Bears? Oh, no, I don't uh, remember that at all. I'll do an episode on that sometime. <laughs> 
But what? How, well, before we get into an actual ranking, how does it do? And does it make you feel like this is part of the Star Wars universe, even if uh, the Star Destroyer hadn't shown up? To be honest, no. It it felt like a, like a really cutesy sort of thing, like the Care Bears. Yeah. Definitely aimed at kids as a standalone cartoon. It would have, you know, if I'd been six years old, if, if I had a little boy or a little girl, I'd feel fine letting them watch that. But definitely didn't have the adult themes of like a Star Wars property, no. That's not a bad thing. Sometimes I think uh, spinoffs and prequels, tend to get too wrapped up in trying to incorporate the main storyline into it and it ends up kind of odd or out of making the continuity wonky. So sometimes I think it's a good thing to take something in the universe and make it its own standalone thing in another part of the universe. Right. I think to, to be very honest with you, on that front, it definitely succeeds. You know, it's, it's a cute fantasy cartoon, you know. It doesn't have a lot of, over, with the exception of the Star Destroyers and the lasers, you know, didn't have a ton of sci-fi to it. But as a cute fantasy, it, it works. Young Indiana Jones, the, the, the Chronicles, how it kind of works is it doesn't try and, Young Indiana Jones doesn't find the Ark before Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, so stuff like that. Or like the new Furiosa movie, like it works in the, it's a Furiosa story. Well, I mean, obviously I'm basing this on the trailer, but yeah. it takes place in the world of Mad Max, but it's not a Mad Max story. So I'm very much looking forward to that one. <laughs> I, I definitely see what you're saying, too. I won't go off on a big tangent about that, but I used to read a lot of the, the Star Wars expanded universe and some of the wild ex- stories, you know, had very loose threads to the original trilogy. And just some of those those stories were so cool that I'm. I was cool with them going off on a limb, you know? So now we're going to get to the official ranking system. We're going to the spectrometer. Anybody who's never heard this show before, the spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being perfection. Mike, how are you going to rank the all-new Ewoks? Battle for the Sun Star. Okay. I'm going to forget that I'm an adult right now, and I'm just going to rank it as if I was a kid watching it. I'd give it two Spectros. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking, where it's good enough. It's not great, but it's good enough that I think you'd be pretty much, especially in the context of when it came out, it would be entertaining. As a kid, like if I'd been seven years old and watching that on a Saturday morning, I'd be like, hey, this is great. You know, I could watch that. Right after that would be the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, and I'd have a nice, fun morning, you know? There are old cartoons I'll watch a lot of. This is not something I'm going to go back and watch a whole bunch of episodes, but for what it is, two stars. It's middle of the road, good, not great. Right. To be fair, again, I won't go on a tangent for long, but I remember the Droids cartoon being a little bit better. You know, I remember that just being a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more, slightly more adult. What did you think out there? Did you you like Ewoks better than Mike and me? Or did you like it less? If you did, that's okay. We're just two guys talking your opinion. But if you have an opinion, I'd love to hear from it. You can let me know on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. Facebook, you can find me at Matt Spectro through the multiverse and give me a follow there. And if you're even on the social media site Hive, you can find me there at Matt Spectro, all lowercase letters, and give me your two cents on Ewoks Battle of the Sunstar. Mike, thanks for uh, joining us. I can't believe we took this long to have you come on the show. 
Well, hey, I'm I'm really happy to be here today. It's been so long since I've seen you. I was I had a great time, really great time. I'd do this again anytime you want. Perfect. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm debating making this my last year of the podcast, so we'll definitely make sure we get you back one more time before we hang it all up. Have you done the He Man show yet? Yeah, I got a guy Brian Malonis is a big He Man fan. We've done. An episode on every single version of the... <laughs> I would have done that if you'd asked me back. Well, uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. Now, this is usually... It's bizarre because we've known each other forever, but I don't know what's going on right now. But this is usually the free plug time of the show. But I don't know if you have anything going on in your life you'd like to plug. If so, now would be the time. Oh, no, nothing right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big music fan. I, I used to play drums a lot, but nothing happening on the burner right now. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully, I have something soon to plug in the world of music. Anyway, yeah, I'm just I'm just having a good time, you know, watching a lot of uh, cartoons and, uh, you know, sci- I love science fiction and horror movies. So, if you if you ever do a Matt Spectro through the multiverse that concerns live action sci-fi or horror, I'd be up for that. Uh, well, probably not, but uh, there are some adult themed cartoons. I'm sure we could uh, do at some point or another. Did you do Heavy Metal 2000? I know. I did the original Heavy Metal movie, but I have not done <laughs> Heavy Metal 2000. We could certainly do that if you'd like. I, I saw it once. I remember having mixed feelings about it. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you all for... Uh, I want to do the uh, the movie Wizards sometime. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. That was a Ralph Bakshi movie. Yeah. I would I would love to see that. Mark Hamill actually does a voice in that cartoon. Are you kidding me? No. It was, I uh, never knew that. One of his earliest things he did, so... Did that come out like around 72, 73, something around there? I want to say it came out after Star Wars. Oh, but, okay. Because uh, I thought I remember reading he asked George Lucas if he should do it, but I could be. Well, that's a story for that episode. Yeah, <laughs> save, save the good stuff for another episode. I want to thank you all for joining us. If you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, I really appreciate it. Give it a five-star review. Anything helps with the algorithm. Give it a share. Give it a like, and I really appreciate it. Every week I'm looking for guests. If you're a uh, comic or an animation fan, you like to do a show, I don't care if you have a huge following or you're just uh, a guy, normal guy, likes to talk comics, have some fun, hit me up on social media, give me a message, and uh, we'll see if we can work it out. Until then, once again, Mike, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. I had a great time today. And thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro to the Multiverse. Dun 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 dun